You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour or so, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you and the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Thanks to everybody listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, LinkedIn, And for all of our loyal podcast listeners, we are grateful to you as well. It's fun to be live, but it's also great for those that listen later. And we always appreciate everyone's feedback. You can jump in on the live chat right now. You can leave your comments anywhere you are are participating right now, and we will see those comments. Let us know what you're convinced of. What was your big takeaway from the NFL draft? Today, of course, we will recap the wild weekend in the NFL We will focus on the quarterbacks as always, but today's Unpack This Topic will be about waiting because those quarterbacks had to wait. So how can we uh, parallel that to our own lives and and use that as a metaphor to encourage us in our own faith? Uh, We'll do that today during our Unpack This segment. And also, we'll have some fun with Tap Drill. We'll talk about some of the extra things that took place during the NFL draft, some of the uh, maybe funnier random things uh, that we need to unpack a little bit further. And then we'll also talk NBA playoffs. The the second round began yesterday. Two very intriguing games. One exciting game in the afternoon and somewhat of a surprising dominating win by the Bucs uh, that, that took place earlier in the afternoon that I was able to, to watch a decent amount of that. So we'll uh, we'll unpack all of that and always love hearing from you. So let us know what you're convinced of. We are brought to you by MetaShare. We're so thankful for our partnership with MetaShare. Our friends at MetaShare truly strive to make a positive impact in the world. And so if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MetaShare today. MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. MetaShare offers programs for every budget. So if you're an individual, a parent, small business owner, ministry leader, self-employed, MetaShare has options for you. The best part is their members, on average, save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. Go to MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. My wife and I, we've been members for over five years. It's been a great fit for us, and hopefully uh, it'll be a great fit for you as well when you check it out, MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. All right, we will get into a bunch of NFL topics today, but before we do that, let's say hello to Luke. Luke had a wild weekend himself, and and so multiple wedding extravagant uh, activities and extracurricular, all that kind of stuff was going on. Yep. I could, I was I was just trying to get in touch with you this weekend. It was impossible. <laughs> so so it's wedding season, baby. How how did it go for you? It was it was an exhausting weekend, but amazing. So my wife Madeline was at a wedding on Friday. I was a groomsman in a different wedding on Friday. So Thursday rehearsal dinner, Friday wedding. Ooh, and then Friday Saturday, okay. we both drove to New Braunfels, about four-hour drive from where we are in Fort Worth, 
for a friend's engagement, stayed there about an hour and a half, then drove right back. So we uh, we had a she Madeline took a very lengthy nap yesterday after church, well deserved, and uh, I finished my semester yesterday. Uh, this my fourth seminary semester. So today, I'm smooth sailing. It's awesome. Very excited for today's show. But I will have to tell you, a wild occurrence happened at the <laughs> wedding. Let me hear something. Something that I didn't, I've never even heard of or expect or experienced in my life. So I'll preface it with saying, technology fails us. Mm. Why did we ever go away from the simple key into the lock, into the hole? Why did we go digital? So at the wedding, the venue, at the wedding I was a groomsman in, the venue was right next to the hotel the whole bridal party was staying in. And we decided, hey, we'll leave our stuff in the hotel room. We'll go to the wedding. After the wedding, we'll go back to the hotel room, get our stuff, and then hit the road. We'll all go our separate ways. Seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, great. We'll leave our stuff in the hotel room, then come back. Well, we come back with our key card, the, touch the digital key card to the little thing on the hotel room, shows the green light, handle doesn't work. What's going oh. on? We'll try it again, shows the green light. All right, handle doesn't work. Bring it down to the front desk. Reset the card. Come back up. Same thing happens. Back down to the front desk. Employee comes up. She tries it. Same thing happens. All right. What do we do now? Let's go get the head of maintenance of the hotel. Let's try the master key. Let's try to charge up the locking system. He plugged something into the locking system, said, yeah, this, this should work. This, this will take care of it. Does, tries the master key. Doesn't work. And this is tries what his time little, of day? This is what time of day? So we the wedding ended at 11 p.m. So This is after that. Oh, yeah. So this oh is late. Gosh. And I've got oh about a 45-minute drive home. And I'm thinking, man. I have got to hit the road soon. So it, it, I was expecting to come get my stuff, hit the road, be home by midnight, go to sleep. So it's it's like 11.45 now, haven't gotten to the room. And the head of maintenance can't get in. So he goes, all right, let me go try something else. He comes back 15 minutes later. It's midnight now. And he says, all right, I've got good news and bad news. Good news is the chief engineer of Marriott is on his way. Bad news, he won't be here for 30 minutes. So we're oh like, gosh. are you kidding me? The Whoa. chief engineer had to be called in to break us into our rooms. We're waiting outside. We come up. The entire locking system is off the door. He's rewiring the whole thing. And this it's is the, only your room? Only our room. So the whole extravaganza took two hours for us to get into our room and get our stuff. Oh, my And gosh. then hit the road. The chief engineer of Marriott had to be called in to disassemble the entire door and break us in. I'm it, like, I, we, I I, we, why do we ever room. go away from a normal key? <laughs> Technology has failed us. Oh, my gosh. Those, I know. It is funny. Those little, those little floppy cards that I guess they throw away even after you give it back to them. It's just the yeah. funniest thing. Wow, man. Well, that's quite the adventure to, to have all that happen, especially post-wedding. You've given your all yeah. as a groomsman. You stepped up your game and oh, then yeah. to go back and, and, and have some issues. That's, well, that's I'll tell you what. I gave it my all on the dance floor, and I thought I had earned a easy transition to get my bags and head home in a well-earned night's sleep. I guess that's I didn't go hard enough on the dance floor because there was two <laughs> more hours of waiting time. 
Wow. Well, I'm sorry you had to, to deal with that, but I'm glad they finally got, got into your room because otherwise you would have been out some, some you know, good wedding gear or whatever else you left in I there. Know, so. I know. Which he got us – this is something. I've got, so I've got two more quick things. First thing is groomsmen – or the, the groom gifts to his groomsmen. There's some mm-hmm. gifts that are a waste of time. Like, give me something I can use. Don't give me something I'm going to have to throw away. Like a pocket with, knife? Well, like a pocket knife with the groom's name on it. I don't want that. No. <laughs> give me just a pocket knife. Don't give me a pocket knife with the wedding date and the groom's name on it. I don't want that. I yeah. want something that I could actually use. So we all got socks with our faces on it and our college logo in addition to one of those stamp embossed things that you can stamp on your book and says from the library of your name. Oh, that's cool. Which I think is a great gift. I do like that. So I've I'm been given horrendous size. gifts. I'm like, yeah, straight to the trash can. Never using this. I don't want your name and wedding date on this, whatever it is. But this was a great gift. And I have a life quandary to run by. Well, you. Before, hold on. Before you, before you jump, the, <laughs> okay. the, I, I probably could talk about this for an hour, but groom's gifts, groomsmen gifts are – I've been at a lot of weddings over the years. I'm older than you now, so all my friends almost are all married at this point. Yeah. Um, and so I will say, though, the last wedding that I was at, where remember I told everyone that I, I wasn't the official best man, but I was the de facto best man in this wedding – yeah. I, took, I took on all the responsibilities without the title, which was interesting. <laughs> but the, the groom ended up giving us all a gift bag with his favorite items. These items included gum, Ooh. underwear, what? socks, <laughs> like a snack mix, and some like other random items similar to that. And I will say this. The socks that he gave me, some of the best socks I've ever had. I mean, it's like I'm floating on air. So yeah. those uh, those are tremendous. But, uh, but that, well, what that did you give? Random. What did you give your groomsmen? I gave them a duffel bag with their with their initials on it. That's great. Like a gym bag. A gym, I don't, people yeah. don't say the word duffel. What is a duffel? I don't even duffel know. Duffel bag. Oh, yeah. Team duffel bag. But a, yeah. I, I, gym I, bag. That's a little I'm, 90s. That's a little out of sign. Gym, gym, hey, man. Look at my gym bag. Gym bag. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, you can never have enough gym bags, but uh, so I gave one of those, and then I also gave a mini baseball bat with either their name or my name on it. I, it may have been my name. It may have been like Bryce's wedding in 2013. You did good with the duffel bag. Then you got greedy. Well, then you got I know. greedy. I thought, I thought they could put it up in their office or something. You got a little mini mini uh, bat, like a mini wood <sighs> bat. It was a stretch. It was a stretch. I never heard anybody say, hey, great gift on that one. Yeah. No, yeah. I gave my groomsmen a tie, a nice floral tie that they all wore Nobody in the wedding. Nobody wants a tie, got, Nobody wants I'll tell you what. One of my groomsmen, I have seen at least 10 different photos of him wearing this tie. Confirmation that it was a great gift. And then I got everyone a golf ball with a picture of us on it, each person. That's cool. All to right, ask I'll, give them. The, I'll give you the golf ball, but nobody wants a tie. <laughs> the nobody tie was great. Ties anymore. The tie was great. So very pleased with the groomsmen gift I received. But hey. Guys getting married in the future, get your groomsmen something they'll use that they'll actually like. Don't get in something with your wedding date and your name on it, something they'll never use. No, <laughs> That's true. Come on. It, it is a challenge, though, because you, you, you try to do something unique and special. Unique, but, it, but you don't have to overthink tricky. it. Don't have That's to overthink tricky. it. It is tricky. So those of you listening, what did you? What was the best groomsman gift you ever got or, or uh, bridesmaid gifts that you got or – what did you give when, when it was your own wedding? Curious yeah. to get some response on that. So let, let's, hear, let's hear the responses on that. You've yeah. also got a life quandary. We'll save that for a little bit later. Okay. Let, let's get to that a little bit later. I, I am, jump, 
Go ahead. If you're listening or watching right now, stay tuned for the life quandary because I guarantee you have experienced it. It is something we have all experienced, and it's something that's horrendous every single time. <laughs> it's never it's never a good thing. So we'll, <laughs> we'll save that in a little bit. But I want to jump into I'm convinced, and, and we're going to talk NFL draft, and I'm curious everybody's thoughts on the draft. Uh, I thought overall it was – intriguing with the the trades and teams that decided to jump in that were not in certain rounds uh i thought it was intriguing with the the teams that you know had two picks in the first round um but the fact that the quarterbacks waited uh made it a little less exciting and so we'll talk about that in a little bit but here's what i'm convinced of drafting the hometown kid Hmm. if you're the hometown franchise is an awesome storyline but we never see how challenging it truly is because I'm convinced it sounds better on paper. It's better for the fans than oftentimes how it actually plays out. I'm also convinced that the best time to play for the hometown team is at the end of your career. Mm. And I was listening to the radio this morning and, and Ross Tucker was filling in for Dan Patrick and he was talking about this, how when you get toward the end of your career, you want to go where you want to live after your career. Like if you can parlay that into, uh, you know, where, where you, you can buy a house, you live there while you finish your final few seasons, you, you establish some post playing business entities and community involvement, all that kind of thing, especially if you're an older player and you've got a family and your family can get plugged in. That's a great time. But to me, when I think about this, this last draft, you had Aiden Hutchinson go second overall to the Detroit Lions. He grew up, you know, he went to Michigan, grew up in the, in the Detroit area. And so now he goes there. On paper, it's awesome. It's like, oh, the hometown team, here we go, here we go. But think about what you have to factor in. You've got the pressure of, you know, all the fans are, are counting on you to be the guy. you got to be the guy. Come on, you got to save Detroit. You know how it feels. <laughs> you know what it's like to be a Lions fan. you got to be the one that, that, that finally gets it done. And, and he's a defensive player. And so it's like, ah, how much can he do to, to be able to do that? Then you just have the practical day-to-day stresses of still being in your hometown as the go-to guy. Hmm. So now anyone you went to middle school with, anyone True. you went to high school with, True. anybody you went to college with, hey, man, remember me from, from, soci- uh, from psychology class? Remember we worked <laughs> on that paper together? Hey, man, I was wondering if I could get some tickets to the, to the Bears game coming up next week. You got to deal with all that kind of stuff. And yeah. then you actually have good relationships. And so then, you know, normal people that you want to do life with, now they're asking you for things. Hey, man, can you show up to this event? Hey, I've got this charity event. Hey, I'm, I'm working on this business proposal. Do you want to be involved with that? So I just find it very interesting when these guys end up in this circumstance, the challenges that we don't, as the average fan, necessarily think about. Now, for me and the Panthers, we drafted uh, Icky. So he's from the area, and actually Josh, a guy, a part of our ministry in Unpacked Lunch, he, he's at the same school uh, that Icky went to high school at, and then he That's went cool. off to NC State. Um, so now he, but he grew up in the Charlotte area. He's from Africa. Um, but, but anyway, so now he'll be here. But here's what I'm not convinced of, Luke. Hmm. I'm not convinced if I know whether it's easier or harder as like a, a, a marquee player like a, a, a superstar versus a role player, if one's easier or harder being in the hometown. Because to me, if you're an offensive lineman, maybe it's not as tough. 
And maybe even with Hutchinson as a defensive player, maybe it's not as tough as it would be for a quarterback. But like a couple of years ago, the Panthers actually drafted Will Greer, who was from Charlotte. It didn't work out. Now he ended up, I think he was with the Cowboys last year. I don't know if he's back. but Dallas, great. Um, so anyway, so <laughs> I throw all that, all that out there just to, to, to think about his fans. Uh, and then today it was announced Tyron Matthew is, it looks like he's going to New Orleans. He's yep. from that area, went to LSU. Um, and so he kind of at the end of his career, middle to the end, we'll see how long he can play, he gets to be in his hometown team. So it's probably a big win. He gets to pick that uh, versus being selected um, by a team in the draft. So where where do you come out on this? Shannon says those are good problems for, for a player to have. In some ways, mm-hmm. yes. You got millions of dollars. Oh, how am I going to spend it? But you also have all your family members saying, Hey man, can I just get, I just need $500. Hey, I just need a thousand dollars. Hey man, I just got this, uh, this school project going on and it's tricky. It's a little tricky. So the, the, uh, the Chargers running back who we had on the podcast. Yes. Joshua Kelly. He talked about that on, Hey, Hey, can I get some tickets? Yep. Hey, can I, now I don't know. I don't know what kind of school you went to where they're having psychology classes, uh, offered in middle school and high school. So oh, I had some a, I uh, had, Charlotte I, prep school you went to. No, I had I, I took one in college and high school. I liked psychology. I minored in sociology. I liked sociology a little bit better. Oh. But I was intrigued with. He's psychology. a man of the people, man of the culture. That's right. That's right. So let me just play devil's advocate here. Is it? I don't know if it's guaranteed that. Oh, let me wait to go to my home team. I'll move there. I want to live here. Because if you're not careful and you have a great career, a great first six years, seven years of your career at one team, you might be living there. This might be your new hometown, depending on Absolutely. how well you play. Because you think of all, all the legends, it's they end up it feels like they end up staying at the place that they built out a Hall of Fame career at. That's their new hometown. Great point. Great point. So I thought that I think that's interesting. And I think there's almost more pressure on a role player, a guy trying to make the team in their hometown yep. because everyone's watching them. Everyone sees from the hometown if they get cut. Ever you see him at the grocery store. Hey, man, how's – oh, yeah, man, I'm on practice squad. Oh, how's it going? You see him at, at the movie theater, the grocery store. How's it going? Actually, it just got cut. Or, yeah, I'm actually fighting for my life to make this team. So as a guy trying to make it in the NFL, your hometown – there's many days where you may not want to show your face in the community because you're mm. going to run into a, a classmate. You're going to run into a teacher. And the only thing you're going to talk about is, hey, how's it going on whatever NFL, NFL franchise you're on? So I think that's another added pressure. If you're a big star, you're going to be fine. But if you're a role player trying to make the team, everyone is watching you in your community. I, I think I agree with that. I do. And, and here are some examples of players who ended up at, at least at one point in their career played for at least you know the closest team to, to kind of where they grew up. So of course the best example of this is LeBron James. Yeah. He drafted by Cleveland. Then he goes back to Cleveland. That of course worked out well. Cal Ripken jr. From the Maryland area played, played at Baltimore for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Derek Rose, Chicago played for the bulls. True. Uh, Clyde Drexler. He played high school and college in Houston. And then he, remember he went back to Houston they won that second championship with him, um, him and Akeem Olajuwon. And then, uh, let's see, James Conner, similar situation. Oh, here's the other. I, I didn't even mention this. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was yeah. just drafted by Pittsburgh. This is the reason why I'm bringing up this topic, so I apologize. <laughs> I didn't mention him earlier. But this Bearing the lead here. 
Yeah, I know. So James <laughs> Conner, the same thing. Remember, he played for Pittsburgh yep. and then and then uh, was drafted by the Steelers as well. Now he's in Arizona. Uh, so that kind of worked out. He had a couple good seasons there. He was but really now good. They're, they're, the Steelers are running this back. They're, yeah, they're, true. They're looking out in their backyard saying, all right, who can we get for Pittsburgh? All right. <laughs> and and so they, they've now got Kenny Pickett as their 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 guy. We'll see. Mitch Trubisky's still there. Uh, they brought him all, I, over in the offseason as well. Um, and then another win was Derek Brooks, born in Florida, played for Florida State, drafted by Tampa Bay. He's a lifer, Hall of Famer, still down there involved with, with them. Um, so that, that worked out really well. You know, over the years, Michael Jordan has drafted Carolina players that haven't worked out well or, or local guys. Yeah. So uh, that's an example. I'm not sure if you can think of any Cowboy examples over the years. Smaller but names, but yeah, smaller names. Cole Beasley from Little Ooh. Elm, which is you know, Dallas suburb, and then went to SMU. And then he wasn't drafted. I think he went undrafted, but played for the Cowboys. Was an awesome Cowboy. So that was really cool. And then Connor Williams went to high school with me. It was actually on my youth football team in second, my first tackle football team, Connor Williams, future NFL starting offensive lineman. Hey Luke. Yeah. You're going to be tight end. Yeah. You're going to block Connor Williams every practice. I mean, my gosh, was I in concussion protocol 24 (laughs) seven. I mean, geez Louise, thank goodness they moved me to quarterback, but so he's a guy that's There's a good humble brag in there too. That humble yeah, brag, humble brag. Yeah. I like that. There you so go. So he's from Coppell, went to Texas, and then drafted by the Cowboys in the second round. But for him, it's interesting because there was a lot of Cowboy fandom disappointment in Connor Williams. Not that, not like, oh man, our hometown guy, but just Cowboys fans in general. There were some issues they had with Connor Williams. And he lives in the area. He lives in the oh, same town as his family. Tough. And yeah. I, I can't imagine how much pressure. So I think, I wonder if it's a breath of fresh air to not be a cowboy this next season. To be in a place where you don't have family and high school classmates potentially running into you every other day. Yeah. No, it's, I think, I just think there are a lot of advantages and disadvantages that you have to factor in. But I do think, like, throughout the draft, fans are thinking, draft the hometown guy like we know who he is and we want to see him. We want to continue to watch him play. And so yeah. there's almost pressure sometimes that, that teams, whether yes. they care or not, they have to at least feel it from fans yeah. to say, hey, go get this guy, go get this guy. You know, and it's, it's interesting too. The Steelers, they picked Pickett over Malik Willis and, and some, you know, a lot of people had Willis maybe higher on, on the draft board uh, compared to him, um, which we're going to talk about quarterbacks in a moment. But, but Pittsburgh went, with kind of who they know and, and who the fans know. And yeah. so I'm curious. I, I texted my, my buddy Paul, who's a big Steelers fan, mi- mixed reaction about that. And let's um, be honest. If you're a home, t- if you go, if you get drafted by your hometown team and you do well there, you're a legend. Legend. You're hero. an absolute legend. And everyone talks about, oh, to go get to play for the team that you're actually a fan of as well, that's pretty awesome. And you have success there, legend. Absolute legend. But it's especially tough when you go to, like I was mentioning, with the Lions, the Browns, but Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. So far, so good. Yeah. So that that was a, a big win for for them to to snag him. So uh, yeah. So so some different examples. Curious who comes to mind for you and your favorite team uh, that was a hometown player. You know, whether high school, college, either way, some kind of connection. Uh, you know, for me with the Hornets, I'd love Steph Curry to finish his career. In Charlotte. Just How cool would that be? It was a couple good years, man. Uh, Dell, of course, his dad played for the Hornets. But all right. So uh, that's what we're convinced of today. 
let's jump into unpack this. And this is our chance to take a, a sports topic related to the Bible, related to our own lives. We send this out in devotional email form, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can subscribe for free on our website, unpackingit.com to receive unpack this in your email inbox. And today I want to talk about waiting. And I find it fascinating in the draft when heading into the draft, you've got your mock drafts. And in our minds as fans, we're thinking, okay, this guy should go in the first round. This guy should be a top 10 guy. You know, okay, these are the, the especially from a quarterback position, which we'll focus on. You know, this quarterback should go here, there. You know, okay, this team's interested. And so we go in with a certain understanding, and we imagine that these players have a similar understanding. And then what happens? They wait, they wait, they're waiting for their name. Hey, has, has everyone forgotten about me? You know, for the, think about last year, the top three picks were all quarterbacks. This year we had to wait until pick number 20 when the Steelers took Kenny Pickett. And, and so that was much longer than, than recent years and, and pretty remarkable. And then after he was taken, we had to wait again until the Falcons took Ritter in the third round. And, and so that went from pick 20 to 74th. And this was the most picks between quarterbacks since the record was set in 1975 when 63 picks elapsed from the first selection to the second. And so then, you know, you think about, you know, kind of bigger name guys going in, into the draft, Malik Willis, who a lot of people were, were high on, you know, he had, he fell all the way to the third round when the Titans finally snagged him uh, 86th overall. And then how about Sam Howell? I mean, dude, why did he leave early if he wasn't going to go until the fifth round to Washington? So poor Sam Howell was waiting all weekend long, day after day. Uh, that was painful to, to, to continue to, to watch him and, and him wonder, man, am I going to get taken? When am I going to get taken? Who's going to get me? And then he ends up in Washington. And then even Matt Corral, who the Panthers snagged, uh, he had to wait until the third round when the Panthers traded uh, up to get him. Uh, I saw this. He was ranked like 47th going into the draft, and so he was taken 94th overall. So he had to wait as well. And so ultimately, all five of these quarterbacks, kind of the top five quarterbacks from this draft, we'll see 10 years from now, but at least following the draft, they all had to wait to a certain extent. And, and so while I'm watching them on TV, we most of these guys were actually at their homes and and kind of with their family and friends and, and think about think about how difficult that is Luke when when you're you're sitting there and your your family's going hey man it's cool like we're with you and and you're thinking to yourself I want to be anywhere else I got a camera in front of me I've I've gathered all my friends and family here to celebrate me today and I'm making everybody wait everybody's giving up their whole weekend for me and and it's a tricky situation and so here's the question that I have for them. And then ultimately, this will be a question for us. What do you do while you wait? So Sam Howell, what did you do while you waited? Malik Willis, what did you do while you waited? Now, I don't have the answer to that necessarily, but here's what I think they, they should have done or could have done, and, and I think it relates to our own lives. So first, if you're either of these guys or any of these five guys, you have to remember draft history. You have to remember that Aaron Rodgers had to wait longer than he anticipated. How about Russell Wilson? How about Tom Brady? They all had to wait. The other thing that you have to remember is you can't complain about how long you're having to wait because in reality, it doesn't speed up the process. 
So you can sit there and whine and complain, but it's not really going to do anything. It just creates a negative environment. And then the other thing these quarterbacks can, can embrace, like I was mentioning, surround yourself with loved ones and, and actually receive the encouragement. Don't blow it off, but actually receive the encouragement from those that you've put in your tight circle, that they're in this with you, that they're feeling the pain too, but they're there to encourage you and you got you to gotta embrace it. The other thing, you have to rest in knowing that you're going to get an opportunity in the NFL. You've gone through the process. You're going to get that opportunity. You can't worry about what pick you're going to be because ultimately you're going to get that chance and then you step into it and, and do the best you can. And then the, the last thing, you got to stay confident that, that you did everything you could leading up to the draft, and then you have to trust that things will work out at the right time with the right team. That's what you have to cling to because otherwise you're just going to sit there and, and let the frustration and let the worry take over, and, and, and it's not going to benefit you in any way. So that's what, that's what I think, uh, that's my advice, I guess, for, for the players as I, as I watch them, them wait. And let's face it. Those principles parallel very well in our own lives. Each one of us finds seasons in life where we're forced to wait. It's waiting to hear back from a, from a job. It's waiting to hear back from a diagnosis. It's, it's waiting for a door to open. It's, it's waiting for healing. It's, it's waiting to, to get married. It's waiting to, to get pregnant. There are many things we, we wait for in life. And so the question is, what can we do while we wait? How are we going to wait? And, and so the encouragement for us today, similar to, to those NFL players, we have to remember the history. And for us as followers of Jesus, we remember the history of God's faithfulness. We remember what he's done for us in the past. We remember what he's done for others in the past. And that gives us the encouragement to keep going. Uh, in, in Psalm 77, it says, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. The second thing is we, we can't complain. It's easy to complain, right? We want to complain, but we have to resist the, the, the temptation to complain because especially when we're waiting, right? I mean, I can't believe I'm waiting so long. Ah, I, I, I'm, whiny, I'm whiny because I'm waiting, but it doesn't speed up the process. And in Philippians, this is a, a, a truth in, in other areas of life, but it says do everything without complaining and arguing. So there, there you go. Pretty simple there. All right. The other thing we have to remember is we have to remember to rest in knowing who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So we have to rest. We can't be so caught up in the worry, but we have to rest that he saved us. Our eternity is secure and, and, and that he's going to work things out for our good. And, and so in Philippians, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that allows us to have peace as we wait. And then the, the, the last two, uh, we have to stay confident that we did everything that we're capable of. In our limited abilities, we do everything we can, and then we trust that things will work out at the right time according to God's will. Because let's face it, there are certain times where we are forced to wait. Just like these players, when the draft begins, there's nothing more they can do. They've already put the, their, their game on, on tape for, for GMs to see. They've already done the interviews. They've already done the combine. They've already done the, the, the college workouts, uh, the pro days. And they've already done all that. 
And now all they have to do is wait. They wait for their name to be called. And for us in our own lives, we've done the interview. We've done, you know, whatever we can possibly do. Uh, and then, and then we have to wait and we have to trust God and, and we have to trust in his timing, in his will. And, and so in Proverbs 16, nine, it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So that's a, another great reminder. Lastly, just like those guys surrounded themselves in their, <laughs> their houses, wherever they were, we have to surround ourselves with, with loved ones and receive the encouragement from those that are in our circle. We need to let people know when we are waiting and when we are struggling you know, while we wait, right? And, and then we need to let them in. We need to let them in and, and be a part of the journey with us. And we need to do that for others as well. Uh, because in First Thessalonians, easy for me to say, First Thessalonians, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So we have to continue to be an encouragement to one another. And so in conclusion, the reality is waiting is one of the hardest things we have to do, but God uses it for his purposes. He uses it to change us and grow us. And, and so whether it's somebody waiting at the draft or whether you and I are waiting for God to move in some other area of our life, we can wait with peace and confidence as we trust in him. He is faithful. He will empower us with the strength we need to endure. And, and so much of this is out of our control. But in the end, that's a good thing because the one who is in control knows what he's doing. And so as we wait, we put our trust in him. We surrender control to him. And as difficult as it is, even when people are coming up and saying, hey, Hey, have you been drafted yet? Hey, have you gotten that job yet? Hey, and it's tough to answer those questions. We wait with confidence. We wait with hope. and we, we, we wait with peace. So there's our encouragement today. I'm sure many of you are waiting for something in your own life. Uh, Luke, as you think about the times in your life where you've waited, uh, what's maybe the, the hardest one of those kind of examples that I, I gave today or, or one that, that resonates with you the most uh, that, that you find encouraging today? You know, I just think overall waiting is so hard for me and for anyone just in our current culture, the cultural pressures on us to, you know, the American dream, self-realize your goals. It's work yourself, accomplish your own goals. And the idea of quickly getting to things like with technological advancements, it's we have things so quickly. I used to think a week long shipping was, oh yeah, oh, it's only a week of shipping for ordering something? Oh, that's great. Now, Amazon Prime, two days, sometimes same day. If it's not that, waiting for an eternity. And that's just a, a superficial thing. But, you know, it's really hard to wait. I think especially if we don't really trust in God's sovereignty. Like as I've, as God's really challenged me to trust his sovereignty more, to acknowledge his sovereignty more, you know, Isaiah 46.10 talks about he, God knows that makes known the end from the beginning. He will accomplish his purposes. He will accomplish his purposes. So if I'm waiting for something, for God to move in a certain area, for something to happen, I, I can breathe. I can be, I can trust. I can be okay knowing that, okay, God is sovereign. No matter what I'm waiting for, I don't have control, and I, I can wait with confidence knowing that God is control of everything. So I think for me as I think about waiting is, do I really trust that God is sovereign? Or if I'm having to wait so long for something, like that really challenges my control. And that's a very humbling thing. 
I think as God's matured me, he's helped, he's helped me understand, man, I don't have any control. I can control to a certain extent how like I respond, how, you know, trying to pursue faithfulness, but I can't control the things that happen outside of me. No chance. So waiting really tests my view of God's sovereignty. So I don't, I don't know how, how does, how does, uh, waiting and God's sovereignty, how does that, how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think even comparing it to the the NFL draftees, they go in with this this preconceived notion that they're going to be a first rounder or a second rounder, and then it takes longer. And and I think the hardest thing I had to do in my life when when it came to waiting was waiting to get pregnant, and and the challenge that that my wife and I had with that, and. You, you know, you just, you're just kind of told, oh, you know, you get married and then after a couple of years you get pregnant and, and then you have a baby and that's just, that's just kind of how it goes. And then all of a sudden, wait, this, you have a miscarriage and then it takes longer and you're like, wait, what, what in the world, what is this all about? And you're, you're just not really prepared. And, um, and so, yeah, that was the biggest challenge for me and, and, and just realizing that, yeah, God is the source of life and being reminded of that. And so talk mm-hmm. about God's sovereignty, talk about, uh, yeah, he, he's the one that, that allows, you know, life. And, and so I, I had to, to embrace that and, and learn that. And then also waiting is hard. Like I alluded to when people are asking you or they're mm-hmm. like, even when they're in with you. And, and I, that's why I think about these draft rooms with these, these players they are sitting on the couch with them and they keep showing it. Right. And you're, you're oh. looking at the girlfriend or the wife or the mom or the dad or the friend, and they're, they're not feeling well either. They're, they're feeling the pain, uh, but then they don't know what to say to, to people either. I know um, this whole I, party is planned for them yeah. to get drafted. And if it doesn't happen, Tony Romo's talked about that. It just didn't happen for him. And it's like, all right, I guess everyone go home and it's humiliating. Um, it can be. And, I and like so, what you said. But anyway, I was going to say, so when people are asking you, hey, hey, are you pregnant yet? No, we're not. Like, that was a hard question mm. for me to answer. It was, it was a difficult time. And then even uh, watching my dad at different times in his life when he was looking for a job and it was taking longer. And I learned waiting during that season of life as well. Yeah. And asking my dad, hey, how'd the interview go? And you got to wait and, and all that kind of thing. It's, it's tricky. It's a, it's a really hard, hard situation. I like what you said about like whining or bickering that doesn't speed up the process because again, we're not in control. So in life, no matter how, how we respond to waiting doesn't necessarily speed up how long God has us waiting for something. So I mean, why not take advantage of that time? Mm -hmm. Like God can really work in us and grow us and lead us to greater fellowship and intimacy with him and work in our hearts and sanctify us in that process of waiting, or we can just whine and waste that time. That's right. So yeah, no, I, that, that, that's, that's a great point that, man, the actual waiting process is a great time for God to grow us as well. It's not just this, okay, God's going to grow me when he has me here, then I'll wait. And then when this happens, then God will keep, keep growing me. Oh, then I can really work on my faith. Then I could pursue God. No. You can pursue, we can pursue God in the actual waiting itself in tremendous ways. And I know definitely as you've uh, like worked and grown and been faithful to unpacking it, there's been lots of waiting and being patient. And 
in those moments, I'm sure God really worked on your heart as well, not just when he brings you somewhere, but the actual waiting for him to bring you somewhere. The process. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, who who are you going to trust and, and who, who are you dependent on? And, and the reminder of who's in control, I think is a, a good part of the, the waiting as well. Um, and so, yeah, all those, all those players had to realize that, that they weren't in control of what team they were going to end up in from the NFL standpoint, the, the GMs are in control. And so they could think that they were going to go in the first round and they, and they weren't. And so oftentimes in life, things are going to take way longer than we anticipated. So what will we do while we wait? And will we embrace that season to allow God to work in us, to grow our faith, to deepen our trust in him? So the encouragement, keep going, keep persevering, keep enduring, trust in him to empower you. Uh, and he will. And he'll he'll get you through, uh, and you'll you'll be you'll be better for it, better in character and deeper in, in your faith in him. All right, let's get to some of the other stories from the draft, and really, it was about some of the the, the day one trades, and probably the biggest name, AJ Brown going from the Titans to the Eagles, and then Marquise Brown going from the Ravens to the Cardinals. I've got him in a, a dynasty fantasy league, so I was intrigued by that. Uh, not sure if he's better off in, in Baltimore or Arizona, but th- we talked about it on last week's show, and I kind of poo-pooed the, the wide receivers <laughs> expecting these, these big contracts, but A.J. Brown got paid in, in Philadelphia, whereas Tennessee goes, nah, we're good. We're not going to spend all that money. We're, we're going to draft somebody with the 16th pick. What was his name from Arkansas? I can't think uh, of his name. Traylon Burks. Burks. So everybody's real high on him. Aaron Rodgers was real intrigued with him. Um, and so the Titans say, all right, we'll just pay a rookie and we like a you know, similar uh, body type. Daniel Jeremiah, once that, all that was happening, he's like, you guys aren't going to believe who I was, who I was going to compare him to. It's A.J. Brown. And that's exactly who the Titans draft. So Titans seem to have a plan in place yeah. and they, they did a nice job. And now the Eagles, they've been floundering trying to find a true go-to wide receiver. I think Devontae Smith last year was a, was a great guy to draft. But he's still younger, and so now they bring in A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts to surround him with a legit yeah. number one threat veteran, a little, a little more of a veteran. He's still A.J. Brown's still a young player, but that, that, that was a big move for me. Now it's just if he can stay on the field. That's so, the key. Uh, <laughs> that's the key. <laughs> no, but Tennessee, I mean, with now with Burks, they have Robert Woods. I mean, to be able to – and we've talked about oh, this. That's true, we man. talked Robert about Woods. this – I think last week or the week before is the NFL transitioning to I mean, not necessarily. There's still receivers getting paid tons of money this off season. We saw that, but, but on new teams, is the NFL going to be transitioning to how we see running backs? Are they plug and play? Let's just draft the new one. He'll be cheap. And then if he wants a boatload of money, yeah, we'll trade him. And I wonder if that Tennessee, Hey, you know what? We're not going to pay AJ Brown unbelievable amounts of money and and then not be able to pay other important primary positions hey we got a burks is really stinking good and they bring bring in robert woods so i think they're gonna be okay especially with how good they were with aj brown not even playing so yeah but also what's interesting about the yeah they were good without brown that's the thing they were good without derrick henry which was crazy unbelievable those those games that he was out and and so then the, the titans also they're they're kind of the in the spotlight because they drafted Malik Willis. Yeah. So they don't have to rush him in because they have Tannehill. The thing about Tannehill is he's a legit starting quarterback. But in the playoffs, when they needed him to win the game, he was unable to win 
the game. He, he was unable to make the necessary throw. Now, could he do that the next time? Maybe. But he didn't do it this past season, and that was against the Bengals. And, and so they lost that game. And so I understand why they're thinking, all right, Tannehill, uh, we've probably gone as far as we can with him. But now they find themselves in this interesting spot. So are they playing for a Super Bowl this year? They still have Derrick Henry. How far can they go? They're in the tough AFC. But then they're also thinking, all right, well, we'll try to go as far as we can. But if not, then now we'll develop and groom this Malik yeah. Willis. And, and maybe he'll be the guy. That it can really get us is. It really is that conversation of at what point do you blow it up? Now, they wouldn't blow it up by going in a different direction quarterback-wise. But obviously Tannehill's good enough to get them a number one seed while yeah, missing significant players. Tannehill is a good quarterback. And yeah, you know, he's got some blunders on his resume. You know, that interception in the playoffs this past season, not good at all. But at what point, like, at what point does it go from, let's just run it back. We've got a really good team and a good quarterback to, we know for a fact we can't win a Super Bowl with this guy. I feel like that is, a, is an overreaction. So, yeah, groom Malik Willis, grow him, and he's in, I mean, what a what a great spot for him to be in, to no so. pressure, to do anything immediately. You just get to learn, and you're on a good roster, but... And Mike Vrabel's can, a legit coach, so he oh, should yeah. be locked in for a I long time. I still don't time. know how he didn't win Coach of the Year. I think Who he... Who won Coach of the Year? Wasn't it uh, Zach, Taylor? Zach Taylor? Zach Taylor won it? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a, that's a toss-up, but I, I would have done Vrabel. Yeah, I just didn't know how Vrabel didn't get enough recognition. Because the Titans are under, under, over, underlooked, underlooked, overlooked, overlooked. <laughs> They're overlooked. Uh, under the radar. There you go. Oh, um, he did win it. Oh, Vrabel did. He did. All right, there you go. I thought, for some reason, I thought Zach Taylor won it. Interesting. So good. He got what he deserved then. But yeah. the Titans were still underrated, but then they blew it in the playoffs. And like I was saying, with yeah. Ryan Tannehill. So, uh, so that was an interesting storyline. Um, of course, you know, personally with, with the Panthers, I wanted them to draft a tackle in the, in, with that sixth pick. They did, so I was thrilled about that, getting icky. And then uh, Matt Corral, you know, yes. from Ole Miss, I, I'm intrigued by it. it. There's always concerns when you talk about you know, off-the-field issues. But, but I, to me, if the guy has gone through those in college and learned from them and now can step into the NFL saying, hey, these are the things that I got to look out for. These are, these are my shortfalls, and he's a little bit more equipped to handle that. That, to me, is a positive thing. What often happens is guys get into the NFL, they get in way over their head, they can't handle all that's thrown at them, and then at that point, they, they spiral out of control uh, because they never dealt with those issues. Now, if Corral actually dealt with those issues – now he's in a good spot. So we'll see. I, you know, it's a, that is somewhat of a risk and a toss-up, but I'm intrigued by it. I liked where the Panthers drafted him in the third round and uh, yeah. thought that was a good move. Unbelievable value. From the outside looking in, Corral is awesome. He's tough. He's a gamer. I mean, he could have easily not played the last few games for Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm done. Gave his all in their bowl game. That's and cool. Ole Miss loved him. So yeah. I think that's a great... Yeah, to get him where you did, I mean, come on. I know. That was solid. So what, what, what about your Cowboys? How did you feel about the draft? I'm pleased that it wasn't a splash draft. Like, it wasn't a, I don't know, for lack of better words, a sexy draft for, for Dallas. Where typically, like, I don't know, oh, let's go way. get the best player available, no matter what fit is. 
We got a tackle with our first pick. We got good value, defensive end in the second round, and then drafted a tight end. All of these guys are going to be impact players. So the tackle we drafted the first round is going to start. The defensive end we drafted, Sam Williams, is going to, in the next couple years, be an impact player. And then the tight end is going to be an impact player. So we draft the guys who are going to play and actually be valuable players. I don't think we drafted any Hall of Famers or any immediate NFL All-Pro guys, but we've filled needs. So I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased that it was like underwhelming in regards to name recognition. That was pleasing for me. There you go. And I'm glad you use we. We, we. we did it. There we you did go. it. Oh, We're yeah. Part of it. We're part it's of it. Us. Fans, We're, we are part the of fans it. are part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to our, our MetaShare moment of the week. And speaking of fans, uh, we've got a special uh, moment of the week involving a baseball fan. It always seems like the moment of the week. This crazy stuff happens in in baseball. <laughs> it does. But this this uh, this jumped out to me. It was, it was sometime last week, but it was in a uh, let's see Reds game, and a dad is in the crowd, and he catches a ball. Listen to this. Nice job! Wow, feeding the baby. Wow, holds the bottle. No spillage. Baby in perfect bliss and a souvenir. Remarkable. Remarkable. The commentary is so good. No spillage. Is there a better (laughs) word than spillage? That's a that's a strong adding edge to words just makes it so much better. It's so true. Spillage. That's a fun one. (laughs) Total Uh, bliss. So this this dad, he's got the full like uh, baby, I don't even know what you call that thing. It never worked for my daughters where you like put them they're like stuck to your body. It's like a yeah. big, big contraption. So the baby is in there. He's feeding the baby with one hand and holding the bottle. He catches the baseball, the foul ball with the other hand <laughs> and he barely moves. I mean, unreal. I mean, think about what, what is taking place here. He's so calm. Like he's totally chill. I mean, this is the dad of the year. And well, He's the dad of the year in this moment. <laughs> I question bringing a baby that still has to be fed to a baseball game. I'm personally not going to do that. But uh, the fact that he, he arrives and he not only he's the protector, he protects the baby. Because if we're talking about fly balls coming in, yeah. you, better not, you better not let your baby get hit by one. Well, let's just acknowledge me? that you and me, is it even a guarantee that holding no baby, we can one-hand catch a foul ball. No way! Let's not take that for granted. The fact that he caught it, no matter what else is going on in the scenario, very impressive. It's one thing that, yeah, to be holding a drink and then you catch one. You know, 15 guys maybe do that. You got your hand in the peanuts and then you grab one. (laughs) This guy's holding the baby. Not only holding the baby, feeding the baby and catching the ball. without pocket awareness to even know what's going on. I mean, so many things make this impressive. It's almost it's almost like he's he's in that phase and I just kind of came out of it where you're just you're just so locked in and you're not sleeping much. You don't even know what's going on. You're just you're just doing it. And he's just sitting there. Going, oh, here comes a ball. I got it. Grabbed it. All yeah. right. Baby's fed. And you just, just, keep, <laughs> just keep going. Just keep. It's keep just moving. another thing. It's yeah, just, that's it's, it. Nothing. You're, just blocking, you're blocking stuff. All right. Get, me, get the ball. I got the ball. All right. He baby, doesn't baby. even realize the magnitude of what he does. Yeah. Because you said he's got he's two hours of sleep the last two nights. That's it. But, but the fact that they stuck away to the game is impressive. I mean, I, I, I haven't been to a game in years. It's, it's, since my 
daughter's yeah. been born. I'm not sure. So that's what I was going to say. One. You said, yeah. yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to take my young daughter to a baseball game. Well, I just want to say, I'm not sure you yourself are even going to a baseball game. That's right. So maybe you'll take little Maddie to Cameron indoor, but I'm not sure you'll be at a baseball game in general. I know it's tough. It's tough to sneak away, but um, I, I've sort of told myself just as a fan through the years, watching people uh, bring their kids to games and then be bored by the third inning or the second quarter or whatever it may be. I've, I always told myself, I'm going to wait until they really can appreciate it to, yeah. to just, to just go to games, just to do it. I don't know, but I haven't done it yet. So I, I'm, I'm willing to listen to those of you that, that are listening now. Have you taken your young kids? What age did you go to a game? What, what is that sweet spot for you? Um, I'm, I'm curious. I am so curious. You are opening up, up a huge conversation, which obviously we don't have time to get into today. But at what age do you take your kids anywhere? Do you take your six-month-old to Disney World knowing they'll have mm. zero memories of it? Yeah, so, that's a strong point. So a uh, related conversation, but thought it was, it was it's relevant here. Yeah, we I, I just we were talking about going up to uh, to Boone where where I went to college, but there's also Tweetsie Railroad, like a fun family <laughs> railroad. So we were talking about what what age do we bring our girls to that? And I was like, nah, they're too young, too young for Tweetsie Railroad. So same kind of thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. We actually went out to dinner last night with the daughters, so that's always an adventure as well. So yeah, that that, that that's hard enough, let alone thinking about Disney, thinking about a baseball game where I've got to catch fly balls. I wasn't really good at baseball. That's not my strong suit. So I'm not sure that I'm catching balls and protecting everybody. Yeah. It's dangerous. So, so the comedian, Nate Bargatze, hilarious. He, he talks about this and he says <clears throat> to play devil's advocate, he says, well, you know, let's just lock the kids in the closet until they can remember anything. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So age six, now you can come out and you can start doing stuff with us. True. Yeah, True. You won't remember anything. But it all it, that's what's fascinating because, yeah, you don't necessarily remember things, but it still affects you. It grows you, develops yeah. you. So the yeah. experience of going to a game, there's still some benefits there. But, yeah, what is that sweet spot for the right age to where you as the dad can still enjoy the night out at the ballpark? And potentially be a hero. And be a hero. I, I know, the possibility of being a hero. <laughs> but then how many times can you handle, hey, I'm ready to go, or, hey, I want another ice cream. How? Oh, what, what's that pretzel? I want that pretzel. Ooh, now I want the uh, – the little dipping dots, and then okay, we've already had dipping dots. Now I want the nachos. You know, yeah. It's, plus it's plus it's costly. I remember going to the games with my dad and my dad. No, we're not buying nachos. This seven dollar nachos. Forget about it. We'll eat. <laughs> we'll eat before we go. We'll eat before we go, and then that's it. Little yeah. kids need to be free, like free birds. Now I'm I, I'm very convinced free birds is better than Chipotle. Another I conversation. I don't know what you're talking about. Free birds, like a burrito place. Oh, we don't have little, that. Little Tex Mex. On Sundays, Henry doesn't know either. On Sundays, kids eat free. Kids oh, under like nice age thing. three. Yeah, that's a, that's so, always a bonus. I've I've yet to have a free kids meal. I haven't, oh. I haven't experienced that, so I'm missing out on that. So I, I, let me know where those spots are because I need I need that. <laughs> man, Whatever this Charlotte's got to got to respect kids more, man. I know. No, it's it's it very yeah. The discounts are not deep enough or strong enough. <laughs> come on, come on. Uh, but anyway, that's so the moment of the week. Congrats to this dad. He's a real hero. Uh, thanks to MetaShare, our presenting sponsor here on Unpacking It. Check out MetaShare.com slash Unpacking It. MetaShare.com slash Unpacking It. All right. Well, we've uh, gotten this far. Uh, we got to hear from Henry. Uh, we got to hear what his thoughts on the Giants real quick. But then we got to do a little tap drill. 
with him. And then if we have time at the end, we still got to do this life quandary, Luke. So we've had a full show as always here. We cram a whole week's worth of content into one hour or so. Um, so it's a lot. It really is. But Henry, how you doing? How'd you feel about your Giants? What's going on, boys? Um, as far as the Giants draft is concerned, I could not be happier with the Giants draft. They got the edge rusher that they wanted in Kayvon Thibodeau, and they actually went for him first. And then we got the lineman that we wanted uh, in Evan Neal. We got, we're going to start him at right tackle. And then the rest of the draft, the Giants took in, as a matter of fact, uh, later on in the draft, the Giants took their third-round pick and traded back twice, got extra draft picks, and so they wound up with 11 draft picks, which is a lot for a Giants team. And the back half of the draft was kind of more of filling in for depth because, and yes, yes, Luke, I'm going to tell you, the Giants are not going anywhere this year, Cowboy fan. And so um, <laughs> and so it's basically just that, but this draft just goes to show Daniel Jones who was declined this fifth-year option, hey, we're giving you all the tools you either put up or get out. That's, That's it. it. This is this is it right now. We're giving you all the tools. We're giving you a good we, – we got you, Andrew Thomas. We got you, Evan Neal. Saquon's going to be healthy. We even got a third-round pick who's, who's a shifty wide receiver. We're giving you all the tools to so that you can be the franchise quarterback. If not – We'll dip into the we'll dip into the draft next year. So Daniel Jones has no excuse this year as to not being success, successful. So that's what the that's what this whole thing was for. And the NFL draft 2023, the New York Giants select quarterback. <laughs> at the end of at, after this Super Bowl, the New York Giants are now on the clock. On the clock. <laughs> All right, boys. I'll take that. I'll All take right. that. All right. There I'll take go. that. <laughs> All right, boys, let's dip into some tap drill. Let's dip, let's dip into some uh, some tap drill. So staying with the NFL draft. Now, I don't know if you noticed this time around, but you didn't see a lot of the prospects in the venue. I'm not too sure why they didn't, they didn't want to go to Vegas. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Vegas? But you didn't see a lot of the prospects at the venue. You saw a lot of them celebrate with all the family members, with all the parties at home. So, boys, do you prefer the draft when all of the draft picks are at the venue, or do you prefer the family celebration, watching them hear their name amongst the family members while they're at home? I, I'm, I'm a little torn. I, I don't mind them being at home, though. To me, it's a, a safer place. And like we were talking about earlier, when you're waiting to, to be drafted, to me, it's an, an easier place to be. To me, the, the pressure and everybody pulling at you while you're at the, at the draft. But at the same time, this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and so you almost want to fully embrace all that the draft has to offer and the electricity, the, the energy, the environment, wherever these drafts are on location – um, they've all been pretty cool. I remember a couple of years ago in Nashville seemed awesome. And, um, or was it Chicago, some cool spots over the years. And, and so, yeah, it'd be tough for me not to, not to be there. Uh, I think we talked about this last year after the draft, but the R Roger Goodell hugging, I mean, hmm. every year it gets more and more out of control. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this, this year I saw Roger like looking for the hugs, almost oh. forcing the hugs, Roger, you wait for the hug. They'll come to you. They'll come to you. That now he's like initiating the hug. So we've 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 jumped the shark here on this one. It's unbelievable. 
to me, it's like be, the opportunity to walk across the stage, though. Like, if you're a first or second round pick, but potential, you got to be there in person. Yeah. I mean, at first least second. every kid, I don't know if they do anymore. Maybe kids dream of, oh, I can't wait to be on the couch next to my future girlfriend and have, <laughs> ha- answering the phones. I can't wait for that moment. At least me growing up and us growing up is, oh, I can't wait to walk across that stage. Oh, with this pick, Luke Heaton. Uh, so maybe they dream of being on the couch, but the, the, it, walking across the stage, there's nothing that can beat that. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, yeah, the crowd going nuts for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can still be with your family there. To put the hat on walking across yeah. the stage. Yeah, that's hard to pass up. I'm, I'm with you. I, I hear you on that. Now, All staying right. along <laughs> those lines, staying along those lines of the NFL draft. Now, you know that you see, just as you guys talked about, Roger Goodell announces the first the first round and maybe a couple of the second round picks. But did you guys see the comedian Ed Marinaro give his diatribe uh, on and so much so that we had to have a stage hand come in with the headphones on, be like, um, all we really need you to do is just announce the pick. And that's it. <laughs> and like, I'm like, poor guy, he's up there and he's like, he's going on like he's on a comedy routine. And all the fans are like, who's the pick? Uh, yeah. Say the pick and let's move. It's not about you, man. I mean, no one cares. At least my opinion. Does anyone care who reads it? We just want to know who's picked. What well, What value can you bring in a di- – like, no, you can't add much value by, oh, I'm going to – yeah, I'm going to say the pick. But also, I'm going to add a couple jokes here and there. No one cares about the jokes. Like, maybe cool former player comes out and reads a pick, but that's the only value. Nothing else you say besides the pick can add value, in my opinion. I've been wrestling with this on my take because, er, like, early in the first round when they were already bringing other people out, I'm thinking, I feel bad for the players that are being announced by someone other than the commissioner. Because it's like, to me, it's just part of the deal. You want to you be announced by the commissioner and, yeah. and that be the, the thing. But later in the draft, to me, it's like it adds a little intrigue to kind of keep watching. It's like, all right, who's going to come out? Who's going to do the draft picks? But I think you're dead on. It's all about the, the speed of delivery. The, the guys, the, the, the one guy from the Vikings, he, he, he was drafted 50 years ago. And he was going on and on. He was basically giving his Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> he, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. Nobody knew who he was. I, I don't even remember his name. But he was going nuts when I think it was Andrew Booth who ended up being uh, announced. And the, that, to, to, another producer had to come out and say, hey, man, read the card. Read the card. This is why you're out here. Oh. Five minutes later, and like Rich Eisen was given uh, commentary like over it. And it was hilarious. I watched it twice. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> but so I, I like that moment. Like it was hilarious. But I think you're right. It's just get to it. Now, Kyle Brandt from uh, Good Morning Football, he came mm-hmm. out and, and did an awesome one about the Bills and said that the Bills were going to win the Super Bowl. And it was, it, was, it was pretty funny and interesting. So I'm like, it depends on the guy. But it also depends on how long we want to hear the pick. It's about yeah. the, it's not the players. It's about the draft pick. Yeah. But Bryce, he you you buried the lead about the about Kyle Brandt coming out with the buffalo. You didn't mention he was eating the buffalo wing. He did. He grabbed the buffalo wing at the end. He ended it that way. That guy's a legend. He he's he's one of my favorites. <laughs> so that was that was good stuff. That was very. All right. Fun. 
All right, moving on now. Um, but like, hold on. But like, the no, but like the no-name players that come – I mean, that's hurtful. But like they come out, they're like representing their team. It's like, who? Come on. Yeah. It's like one thing when Warwick Dunn comes out or, you know, some of these other guys. But, yeah, that was – it was a stretch a few times. <laughs> as, like, a, as a matter of fact – As a matter of fact – I'm as, as a matter of fact, yeah, I'm kind of shocked genius? at Luke because wasn't it a couple of years ago that Drew Pearson came on yeah. and was like he he came on and with this chest talked about the the Cowboys as if they were as if they were like the world's team and yep. he and he kept hearing all the booze and it was almost as if the more booze that they threw at him. The, the bigger his chest got. I'm surprised about you. Luke. Well, that Your was boy. tremendous because he was taking shots at Eagles fans. And True. I think oh, was this the draft was that was in Dallas? Because that, there was an, the, was whoever spoke Dallas, for right. the Eagles, he came up and was taking shots at the Cowboys. So Drew yeah. Pearson, also to Bryce's point, behind. Hall of Famer, not some no-name who's like, wait, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. What, what are you saying? So that, that, was, that was unique. Of, he became a Hall of Famer after he did that. But like expected, like, this too. guy, Hall of Fame quality. Yeah. All right. All right. It's, yeah. All right, boys. So now, Luke, you mentioned you are the you are the professional wedding crasher. So I think you would kind of like this. Uh, at the draft, of course, we had an actual wedding during the third round of the draft. Guy came out in his tux. The, well, the oh. girl came out in her in her gown, and then she handed the bouquet to what looked like the, what looked like a Las Vegas dancer and the guy, I think he got the ring from the Centurion over there. And oh, it, it, it <laughs> I don't know where we're going with, with this wedding stuff. As a matter of fact, Shakur Stevens earlier in the earlier in the weekend, he won his boxing match to become the unified lightweight champion. And after the fight, he decides that he wants to uh, propose to his girlfriend in front of everybody so boys what did you first of all what did you think of the wedding at the draft and what do you guys think think about sports venue proposals oh well yeah to have your wedding at the draft come on this, this is about players going <laughs> into the nfl this is not about you <laughs> beginning your your love journey together uh, can a, you imagine if she wasn't? Commitment. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine if they both like? Because like, if Madeline and I did that, she's not a huge as much of a sports fan as I am. She's growing, but to like try to pull that, only one of them being a huge NFL uh, diehard, the other one doesn't care. So not yeah. Keep going. I I have a unique take on this. Well, go ahead. So, gosh, I, I I'm I struggle with this because. After planning a wedding, the the beauty of eloping got more and more <laughs> desirable. The sure. idea of let's just elope and let's go on a honeymoon and let's just get get it over with. So that became more desirable. And if this NFL draft wedding is considered eloping, part of me wants to be all on board with it. So there's part of me that's like, man, eloping – once you're in the in the grind of wedding planning, there's nothing that sounds better than just eloping. But the other part of me wanting to have friends and family there who I love and care about, not some and let's just just be real. At the NFL draft, there's going to be some 
freakazoid NFL diehard fans that you want no business being at your wedding celebration. That's your point. They're part of it, <laughs> which is which is kind of sickening to think about. And um, in Vegas. So uh, there's two sides of me. I, I'm not sure necessarily which side I'm leaning more here. You mean yeah. you don't want the guy with the with the Dallas Cowboy face paint and Ooh, the yeah. siren lights on his head? Guy, I, I want the D guy and the fence guy. The defense guy's there. <laughs> Throwing the rice for you. That's right. Yeah, that doesn't sound too too great for me. I will say when I was like a knucklehead, like in college or something, and I would think about a wedding down the line when I didn't have a girlfriend. I would joke that I wanted like jersey, like we would wear jerseys. <laughs> Like instead of suits, <laughs> instead of suits or dresses, no. we would oh, wear no jerseys, like a jersey dress. Like I was, I, that was my dream. Was a jersey dress. I grew out of that. I grew of what out of player? Jerseys. Of what player? I don't know. I don't know. Now you're anti-wearing jerseys in general. I know. I know. It's coming. It's, I've, I've, I've really grown up. I really have. I'll tell you what. I've never heard of that, but that is legendary. We Look, have awesome. to encourage someone in the unpacking it community to do that. The yeah. next person, part of unpacking, who gets engaged, oh we're going God. all in on convincing them to have a jersey wedding. Jersey wedding, or like even even it'd be cool like to have your suit. Even if you did a suit, but then like the NFL draft guys, you know, the inside is uh, what do you call it? That would be cool. Sewn in, sewn in. So you, do, you cool. do your favorite team. Yeah, that's a good sports fan wedding. But I'm still a traditionalist. I personally, I, I wanted to be married in a church. We were married in a church. That's what I I like. Um, I know people have awesome weddings on the beach and all that kind of thing. But for me, that's so ours ended up in many ways was traditional. We had some of our own unique elements to it, some out of our control, some we chose to. Um, I'll tell you what, the generation of getting married in the 80s and 90s with the dresses with the shoulder pads. Why not just actually wear shoulder pads? (laughs) So, I mean, if we want to return to wedding dresses looking like that, what's all we need for a for a Jersey wedding? Have them actually wear shoulder pads. And I'll suit up too. Come on, you wear a helmet. You wear your helmet. Yeah, helmet. Your vows with a helmet on. <laughs> That's right. It's or, or how about or how about we have the basketball? We have the basketball wedding where the bride and the bridesmen, the groomsmen and the brides, they line up. They line up for the uh, for the uh, the introduction of the starting lineup. We get the bride coming in in her snap in her snap away jersey. We got the groom coming out <laughs> in their <laughs> snap away jersey. We come to center court. And we have and we have the the wedding announcer <laughs> do the wedding right at center court with the spotlight on them. Now with we're the bull, talking with the with the bull with with the bull steam in the background. This is off the rails. <laughs> Henry's imagination is is taking us off the rails. <laughs> 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 easy oh, there easy there with the snap away yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but believe it or not as much as you guys are laughing listen to this listen to this at, oh. my, wedding, at my wedding i i uh <laughs> produced a opening that as we entered into the um rehearse the uh reception it was and now the starting lineup for yes. your wedding party. So I did it. We yes. did that. That's we awesome. Went we went into that. that is awesome. And I even had another <laughs> wedding. I was the announcer and did something similar for them as well. So you guys are laughing at that. That was a that was something maybe not as crazy as Henry's idea. There was no snap away. Um, but, well, <laughs> Paul you know has I mean? a, Paul but, has a great comment here. You know, if it's with the snap away instead of the throwing of the garter, the throwing of the jockstrap. <laughs> 
that's uh, now with the snap away. I'm talking about the snap away jackets. We're not like they have the snap away jacket and they have they have the jersey underneath. Gosh, Uh, yeah. Well, hey, with the way things are going, and (laughs) if if we saw a wedding at at the NFL draft, anything is possible for sports fans. So there you go. And look at that cap drill right there. That's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you for the laughter. You guys laughed more than me. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. You guys are, you guys are laughing. I'm uncomfortable. So I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you feel good. Uh, man, oh, man. Well, well, that was fun. Well, we'll, we'll end with this, though, because, Luke, we got to go back to your life quandary. Speaking yeah. of weddings, so you were at a wedding, and what happened? What is your, what is your quandary for us to, uh, to unpack today? So the quandary is how do you respond to this situation? I walk into the rehearsal dinner. And, you know, a lot of people there I don't know. There's a couple that looks at me, and they give me a big wave as I'm walking in. I'm like, and I, I'm at the you point. Know. You said you know them. Well, I don't know them. I, they, this couple waves at me, and I'm thinking, do I know these people? Okay, okay. They are waving very aggressively at me like they really know me. And I'm thinking, is this a couple I've met? How do I know these people? Mm. Well, I can't just – dodge them i can't diss them they obviously know me i'll give them a big wave back <clears throat> oh as no. i'm waving i realize no way they're waving at me the person behind me walks by <sighs> waving and they go and talk Ooh. and now i'm at the point of i cannot talk to these people or come within 10 feet of them for the rest of the oh, night oh no they know that i'm waving at them they know that i they that i think they're waving at me and oh, everyone knows no. that I'm in the wrong here. So this oh. is not the first time I've experienced this. But, but you're a groomsman, what do you do? Good. In some ways, a groomsman, you get away with anything. You're part of the wedding. It's You're okay. But that's a that's a tough social clue. You have to look around before you commit. It was hard because it was you. right when I walked you, in. I'm like, wow, you, these people are excited to see me. Yeah, I guess I'll wave back. I don't want to be rude. And then to for everyone – and people are watching this as well. They, Everyone knows, wow, Luke's waving at someone who he does not know. Luke thinks they're waving at him. So I just had to go hide in a corner. I had to excuse myself to regather myself and then pinpoint where their location was the rest of the evening and avoid at all costs. <laughs> you should have gone up and introduced yourself as the waving guy. <laughs> hey, I was the knucklehead that was waving to you. Remember waving that? Guy. I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to introduce myself. Or – Here's another potential. You, I just, I just go all in on their waving at me, and even though I see this guy, I beat him to it, and then I talk to this couple. Hey, saw you called me over. Yeah, I'm Luke. Nice to meet you, and just convince them they were waving at me. Wow, that that'd be a bold move. But no, I mean this has definitely happened to me, and I even think back to college. You know, single Bryce seeing a girl come in who I thought was waving at me. And sure enough, she was waving to the guy behind me. So that's even worse. So I've, I've been even lower than, than you on that one, Luke. Uh, I, st- I still think about it. It's still painful. Um, but Because that's, that's embarrassing. When you wave back to, to the girl entering, it's like, ah, no, okay, not oh, – yeah. oh, the guy – oh, gosh, okay. Well, I'm waving. But then you almost have to play off that you're waving to somebody else. So it like keeps going. going. <laughs> yeah, it keeps going. No, I'm not waving to you. I'm waving to the guy behind you. So, yeah, that's the key with that one. Uh, yeah. That's true. All right, so oh, if anybody God. else has has experience on the awkward wave, and if you've listened to the show, you know 
I'm a fan of the wave. I've tried to bring back the wave. I'm the crazy waving guy in the neighborhood. Uh, so people look at me like, do I know that guy? If, if we're sharing a moment, I'm waving to you. If you're walking your dog and I'm driving my car, I'm waving. Yeah. If I'm walking to the pool and you're driving, I'm waving. So that's, that's, that's how I, that's you're how I tossing out Jeep waves as well, though. Proud owner of a Jeep, Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> So you're dishing out Jeep waves nonstop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. So there you go. Well, all right, guys. Fun show. Shenanigans, as always. Uh, But great to be with you. Thanks to Henry and Luke. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Always love hearing from you. Bryce at unpackingit.com is the email. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith. I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. The encouragement today is how are you going to wait? And as you wait, trust God, rely on him, remember his faithfulness, trust him, be confident in him. Uh, and, and he'll help you endure. He'll empower you as, as we wait, as we wait. Cause we're all, we all can relate to those quarterbacks that had to wait during the NFL draft. We'll all find ourselves in those seasons for sure. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.